0: My name is Kyle Chouinard, I'm the Student Council Executive Board President for Somers High School. This is Max, my Vice President. As you may have heard, Somers High School will be having a change in schedule for the next academic year. Around a month ago, Mr. Bayer and Dr. Blanche sat down with Student Council to discuss the changes for next year. As with all changes, the group was initially worried, but since then we visited Horace Field High School and Putnam Valley High School to take a look at their schedules. Also with that, we've talked to administration more in more meetings want to use this event to answer common questions and concerns from students, parents, and anyone else associated with the school. Tonight, we will speak with Summers High School Principal Mark Bayer, who will talk to us about why schools change the schedule and how it will work. He'll also walk us through a sample schedule for next year. Max will then be asking Mr. Bayer questions we've got from students here at the high school, as well as questions gathered from you, the audience. And here is Mr. Bayer.
1: Hi, Max.
2: Hey, Mr. Bear. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for being here. Of
2: course. So uh, why don't we just start off sort of why is the administrative, uh, administration looking to sort of have a change in the schedule? Uh, a lot of us in the student body are sort of wondering and concerned with what this means to us. So how does it really work, I guess? You know, what's with the change?
1: Okay. So great question to start <laughs> with. Um the reason why is, is is there's probably a long answer and I'm going to try and make it a little bit shorter. Um, and I know that, you know, as I say this, that, you know, one of the things people fear probably more than death itself is change. So I understand there's not a lot of apprehension about changing something that we're familiar with and comfortable with. Um, so first of all, you know, in the history of, uh, education in America, uh, the schedule that we live right now is what is referred to as a pretty traditional schedule, uh, came about in during the industrial Revolution when the primary focus of schools at that time was to train students to go into the factory. right? Wow. So it was very kind of rote and very uh, predictable, very patterned, and it was going for uniformity. Um, so the idea that every 41 minutes a bell rings and and you move to another class and then another 41 minutes a bell rings. Um, it turns out that's a pretty antiquated system that hasn't changed in, in the decades since um, the industrial revolution. And so Starting in about the in 1980s, um, probably a little bit before that, um, educators all throughout our country began to th- rethink what schools look like, particularly in high schools and the use of time. And we realized that um, what happens in shorter periods where you're moving every 41 minutes or 42 minutes, whatever your time might be, um, is that students really are getting a kind of a surface level. Um, look at material. And, and by the time you do transitions and the time you settle down and then the time you get ready to pack up again, you're really losing a significant amount of instructional time. And I think one of the things that we're really looking at, and, and, and I think in, in most of the other schools that have done this, probably not all the schools that have done this, is the idea of student engagement and having students really be able to think deeply about what they're learning, not just learning for memorization's sake. Um, so the idea of being, you know, going through rote memorization skills and, and just looking at content uh, is kind of something of, of that, that's in the past. And doing something with that content, um, really engaging in higher order thinking skills, um, analyzing it, having conversations one-on-one with another student or in small groups, doing things like a Socratic seminar or um, even hands-on learning. Uh, that's very hard to do in a 40-minute period. And, you know, as a person who goes into classes a lot in my role as a principal, I often see that right when you get into the heart of a lesson uh, or the students are really engaged and and you're in this this real state of flow, the bell's about to ring. And then you have to pick it up again the next day. So the loss of momentum uh, really means that we're kind of playing catch-up a lot also for what really could be done in one period in longer blocks of time. So the idea of longer blocks of time really when it boils down to it is really getting, giving students the time to sit and think about and digest what they're learning, not just absorb it and then move on to another class. Right. It's very comforting to know like the
2: administration is taking this very seriously and <laughs> a lot of thought has been sort of put into this. I was wondering, is there something that we could um, look at and sort of see um, to sort of explain how the schedule is going to look next year? And for anyone out there who might not, understand what it
1: is at this time yes absolutely and uh you know we know that this is going to be confusing uh for for everybody involved uh we're pretty used to our current schedule it's very predictable it's not hard to explain right nine periods (laughs) of 41 minutes lunch is one of those periods we have three lunch periods during a day um that's pretty easy to understand and so the schedule we thought was going to be best for us right now is uh, i'll walk you through it and at the same time for those of you that are at home we will uh give you some screenshots of both our full schedule as well as some student sample schedules so I can talk a little bit about it. Hopefully it will make a little bit more sense. Um, being very cautious that we're not we're not going to get too detailed here because it can get uh, pretty lengthy in our conversation. So right now you're going to see that pop up on your screen, and then I'll talk you through it. And we have a little bit of a problem. So I'm going to make an adjustment here that we're going to um, – this is a, the – sample schedule of what we're going to be looking at next year Uh, you can see that along the left hand side are what we're calling our periods so rather than a nine period day um, of 41 minute classes we have a six period day with uh, lunch right in the middle of the day so three classes will meet in the morning and then three classes will meet in the afternoon the way that those courses run will then rotate in two rotations Uh, The first wheel of that rotation is in the morning, so periods one, two, and three. The courses will rotate over the eight-day cycle, and you'll see the cycle days going along the top and the minutes of the periods going along the side. So, for example, just taking a look at this very easily, on day one, we have course one, two, and three meet in the first three blocks of the day. Then there's a community lunch, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then courses six, seven, and eight would meet in the afternoon. What we also like about the schedule and what we heard from other schools that we visited is that the idea of rotating uh, means you don't have the same classes at the same time every single day. So if you're not a morning person and math doesn't happen to be your favorite (laughs) subject and math is your first period of the day, that's pretty hard to get through for 180 days in in any school year. The way that this schedule works is that math would not be first period every single day. It would only be first period two of the eight days of the cycle, and it would rotate And then one of every four days, it would drop. So if you look at day two, instead of starting with course one, let's say that was your math class, you now have course two meeting, and it goes two, three, four, community lunch, and then five, six, and seven. And you'll see that on day two, courses one and courses eight drop. So one of the things I wanted to also mention, um, because this is kind of a misnomer that people um, have come to their own understandings about, um, is that even though there's only six periods in a day, Students still can take eight eight classes, uh, which is no different than our current schedule. Right? For the if, if students have a lunch, which we encourage a lunch uh, for all of our students with very few exceptions, uh, they are currently taking eight classes with lunch being the ninth period of the day. So, in c- terms of the number of courses, it's not going to be different. But the courses are longer in length, so fifty five minutes versus forty one minutes, and only six a day means you have fewer subjects to. Uh, kind of manage and worry about each day. And then they rotate throughout the eight-day cycle. Wow. So
2: I guess sort of a sample schedule that we could look at?
1: Sure. So <laughs> we can take a look at the the next one. And sorry, we're having some some technical difficulties, so we're improvising. <laughs> um, we'll take a look at the student sample schedule, which is basically the same idea. It just gives you our courses um, so that you can – kind of get a sense of them. So this is a student sample schedule on day one. You'd see that they have college-level Spanish, first period. During the second block, they have physical education. During the third block, they would have AP Biology. And then everybody would have community lunch, so the student has their community lunch. And then course six would be AP American History. Course seven would be Pre-Calc Honors. And course eight would be English 11H. So on day one, if you look to the right of that, you'll see that uh, science research and project lead the way, uh, civil engineering and architecture, would not meet that day. And then if you take a look at day two, uh, you'll notice instead of college-level Spanish meeting first period, now you have course two meeting first period, which is your AP biology lab. You'll also notice that's pretty similar to what we have right now, which is that instead of your physical education on day two, you'd have your lab class for AP biology, then AP Biology, and then you'd pick up your science research class, fourth, uh, third period, Community Lunch, then Civil Engineering and Architecture, AP American History, and Pre-Calc Honors, and on that day, college-level Spanish and English 11H would not meet.
2: All right. Thank you for that sort of in-depth analysis of our schedules. Not a problem. Sorry about yeah. the technical difficulties. <laughs> so um, I guess we're going to sort of start off here with a lot of our student body questions. Um, How will the communal lunch work? Currently, we see a lot of our students, you know, it's very tight in our areas already, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the lunch lines are long. So how are we going to deal with uh, large groups of kids in the lunchrooms right now?
1: So another good question, and uh, this is something that we, as a committee, we've had a committee, by the way, that's been meeting with this uh, about two years now. Um, So a committee of teachers and administrators have been looking at this, and... um, We weren't sure how it would work either, so quite honestly, we were in the same boat a year and a half ago or two years ago. And so we did some visits, just like you did with um, Putt Valley, who went to this this current year. Uh, We also took a look at uh, Nanuet High School, uh, Suffern High School, as well as um, Nyack High School up in Rockland County, all who have a community lunch. In fact, Suffern's been doing this since the 1980s. It will require changing around some of our uh, serving stations and pay stations, what we call right. points of sale, uh, increasing those in certain areas of the school. So we're, we're currently working with uh, Norma Zeller, who's our food services manager, uh, to figure out the best way to do that. So we might, for example, uh, take a look at adding a kiosk or a serving station um, inside the student life center. Right, So that would open up more opportunities for students to get um, food during that time. And what we saw, you know, we have the advantage over many of the other schools that we actually do have two separate cafeterias, although they don't serve the same things. Students know that, for example, all the cold um, items, sandwiches, salads, et cetera, are in the commons and all the hot foods and the snack bars in the um, cafeteria that um, the schools that we visited only have one cafeteria and they've, they've figured out how to manage. It is a little bit of, in, in each case that we've talked to people, it's a little bit of kind of letting things kind of even out over the first couple of days of school. But once students get used to it and once the staff gets used to it and gets into a rhythm, it really does work. Uh, there's, there, there's probably longer lines, but not, not so long. Not everyone's going to get lunch right at the beginning of the community lunch. Yeah. They will stagger it. All right? They might be doing other things. I might go meet with a teacher, for example. Um, clubs might choose to meet during that time. Um, and in that case, not everyone's going to lunch at the same time, and there's a longer period of time. And how long is the lunch period again? So without passing time, it's 51 minutes. If we consider going right from third period to lunch, then it's about 54 minutes.
2: Awesome. Thank you. So we're actually going to take our first viewer-asked question now, and uh, our first viewer-asked question today is, does school start and end at the same time as it does this year?
1: Great question. Uh, we also just as you for those of you that are home or if you're seeing this later on at a certain point uh, we're going to be putting to, we've put together sorry we're gonna be putting on our website a uh, frequently asked questions that is one of the ones that's on there um, so the answer to that is a pretty easy one that's a no school will still be from 735 to 208 it's just that within that time we're changing the way um, this the, the periods run uh, so that'll be right on the the high school's homepage, uh, will have a section specifically on all the information about our new schedule.
2: Cool. So, how would it work for a student to change their schedule throughout the year? So, you have this sort of rotating schedule. Has mm-hmm. that been worked out yet, or?
1: Uh, has, what part of it? I'm sorry. Well, sort which, of, um,
2: Adding or dropping a class. So adding or
1: dropping classes? Yeah. That, that's not going to be any different than it currently is in, in um, our schedule. Uh, the rotating pattern won't matter because, first of all, you have to make those changes pretty early in the school year. Right. Um, or early in the semester if you're if it's a second semester course. Um, and I don't, I don't really see that being as any different than what we currently live. Right? You're going to yes. add a course or drop a class. It'll just fit into your schedule the way it normally would.
2: Uh, So uh, we're going to ask another sort of viewer-asked question. What type of professional development is the district offering for teachers to make a meaningful shift to this type of learning schedule?
1: So we've actually dedicated our entire year this year. So uh, back in uh, the spring and throughout the summer, we've been working with um, our learning coach, our administrative team, and also our curriculum leaders to plan out our entire PLC calendar. Wow. and dedicate uh, all of the professional learning that we have throughout the year on different aspects of uh, teaching in longer blocks. Um, so uh, what that looks like is some of the things that I mentioned earlier. So, for example, project-based learning, um, instructional strategies like uh, small group cooperative learning, uh, hands-on activities, um, discussion-based, so like a Socratic seminar, Um, as well as um, research projects or things that are longer-term projects that kids might be able to work on in class. Um, We're giving um, opportunities for our staff to sit and uh, work together and and learn about that um, through our professional learning. And then our spring is going to be devoted to having teachers really take a look at their current curriculum and think about what that's going to look like in terms of what we call in, in education their pacing guides, um, curriculum mapping and planning out um, of units and lesson plans um, so that they can think about uh, think carefully about what that would look like when the meeting patterns change and the length of time for each class changes. So we've got a lot of professional learning that's going on this year uh, for our faculty and opportunities for them to really think deeply about what this shift is going to mean for them and what it will eventually mean for their students. So how are they sort of taking
2: this? Are they excited for the new change or how are their feelings toward it?
1: So I think similar to the students, um, you know, we are humans uh, before we are teachers. Um, and change is a scary thing, especially when, you, when you've worked hard to kind of get to a, a routine and, a, a, you, know, you know, sort of, you know, in 180 days, if I teach 41-minute classes, what that would look like, and, and I've scheduled that out. And um, so I think that there's been some apprehension, but the more that we talk about it, um, at one of our most recent faculty meetings, we actually did sort of a, a survey of our faculty. Um, and I would say the majority of our faculty are either have some questions but are, are, are on board um, or are, are ready to go and excited about the schedule. And I think there's an element of excitement in all of our faculty right. um, and some elements of apprehension, not knowing what it's going to look like or what it might mean. Uh, but there's definitely, you know, as with anything, there are pros and cons and, um, you know, recognizing what the pros are and then working to uh, combat the the challenges. I think we've got a great faculty, we've got an incredibly dedicated faculty and I, I'm confident that they're going to, they're going to be able to figure it out to the, to the best, um, to the best of our students. Great. Thank you. Um, so another viewer
2: question, uh, how will days be called? Are we still calling them A, B and C days or is there some sort of, new way that we're calling them this year
1: so our current thinking and this is subject to change when we sit with it more and and have more people look at it Uh, it's one of those things that you know when you work on it so closely it might make sense to you and then you show it to someone else and they say no that doesn't really make any sense but our current way of thinking which makes the rotating um, easier to remember is that the days would be numbered days one through eight okay and then the periods would also be numbered periods one through six so like 1, 1, 2, 1 would be So day two on created. day 1, course you start with course 1. On day 2, you start with course 2. On day 3, you start with course 3. So it gives us a little bit of, of way of kind of remembering. Um, obviously, after day 4, that, that, that kind of doesn't yeah. work uh, because of the way the courses rotate. But it at least gives you an idea. Like, okay, it's day 1, I know. And I know that day 1 and day 5 mirror each other. So right. if day 1 starts with course 1, then I know day 5 starts with course 1 as well.
2: Great. So... Uh, A big part of our sort of academic environment here at SOMERS is the BOCES program. Mm -hmm. So how would this new schedule affect those who take BOCES classes?
1: So uh, the majority of our students take BOCES in both the morning and the afternoon sessions. And so the way that we've devised our rotating patterns make it so that um, those students that do morning BOCES will be back in time for part of the community lunch and then for their afternoon classes and then vice versa. So if they're, in an, if they're in afternoon or p.m. BOCES, they will be here for their morning classes and they'll have to leave a little bit early from the community lunch, but then they'll get to BOCES on time. So it actually works well for, for both of those sessions of BOCES.
2: All right. So speaking of a community lunch, we have another viewer question asking, <laughs> um, big, si- uh, big issue here. Uh, how are we going to be serving all of our students uh, during this one period when currently three periods doesn't seem to be enough to get through everyone?
1: So I'm not sure what the I mean. So the- there three periods. If you if you come to our school um, towards the end of any one of our three lunch periods, it's pretty quiet in the in the lunch lines themselves. Right. Um, I, w- I I'm not sure where that question comes from, but you know we believe in having looked at um, our again Normazella, Our our food service manager is working with other food service managers to figure out what they've done, um, and it would mean. You know, it's going to be requiring us to increase serving stations, serving areas so that we can get through more students. And again, kind of repeating what I said earlier, um, that because it's a 54 minute block or 51 minute block, if you don't include the passing time, um, that's a longer amount of time for students to go. So they're going to be coming at different times. Not everyone's going to go at the same time. Right.
2: So what is the main sort of push or reason behind this new schedule change? That's sort of something on everyone's mind, really, because, you know, we've been doing this schedule Mm -hmm. for a very long time now. So I guess that's one of our main questions here tonight.
1: So, you know, I think, again, it's really about student engagement. You know, as we know, our district um, success plan, as well as the high school success plan, has really been looking at the notion of student engagement and how do we get students to thoroughly be engaged in their learning all throughout the day. Um, And we believe that with longer blocks of time, it's going to provide greater opportunity for students to go deeper into uh, the material and skill development that they're doing. So rather than just kind of doing a cursory um, approach or or kind of skimming through things in a a shorter amount of time, you would actually have time to do something with that. And it could be something as easy as there's more built in time for practice. Um, So if you're, for example, in a math class and you're learning how to factor, you know, trinomials or, you know, quadratics, that um, you'd have actually time to practice in class with your teacher there and get feedback directly rather than only do a couple problems because time's about to run out and then you go home not knowing whether what you're doing at home is correct or not. Um, So I think it gives opportunities for that. It gives opportunities for just much more hands-on learning and for not the feeling like we have to rush through things, right, that there's time to actually, if, if students um, need additional time because they, um, you know, they're struggling with a, with a topic during during class, that the, the bell isn't about to ring and, and we have to rush out, and then we come back tomorrow and start all over again. There's more time built in for us to say, you know, let's look at that again. Let's look at it a different way. Same thing is true if a class takes you sort of on a, tangent right now in a 40-minute class you know two students ask a question that takes us off on on a tangent and teachers feel pressure to kind of bring them back in and because I know I've got to get to this end and I think in a 54-minute class or 55-minute class uh, there's greater opportunity for us to bring in student interest and bring in student questions and really sit and think about what that means right thank you so uh, another very important aspect of
2: our school community here is actually our IB Diploma programs and our mm. IB classes. So how do you plan on working these classes into our new schedule, and how is this sort of going to affect the way that we do teaching in the IB Diploma here at Silmers?
1: So um, I mentioned earlier that we had a uh, committee of about 17 um, faculty and administrators um, that are Allison Scanlon, who is our IB coordinator, as well as several IB teachers were part of that committee. Um, And so from the very beginning, any of the schedules we looked at, and if you're not aware, there are probably, I'd say over a hundred different variations of what a high school schedule could look like. So there's lots of different um, options out there. And we looked at several of them um, always with the mind or the eye towards um, how do we make sure that we fit in our IB classes and the hour requirements that IB has for us. Um, So, In this particular case, we would run our IB courses at our SL or one-year courses, similar to the way we do now or similar to the way that we run our science classes, um, which means that they would have an additional period pretty much every other day minus the drop. And then the SL classes were completely fine in terms of number of hours and meeting that requirement. So in terms of the overall program, it's not going to be impacted in any significant way, any, any differently than any of our other classes. Great. So I'd like to take a sort of moment to ask another student
2: body question. Um, How will this new schedule affect kids who have attentive disorders, who find it hard to stay focused and just sit down in class for the regular 40 minutes? How
1: will they handle this new 50 plus minute schedule that we're implementing? So I think that's a a concern um, that I've heard from a lot of students and from parents. and, And it's a great question. The, the notion that, so first of all, what that 55 minutes looks like. Um, I think sometimes people think that that means 55 minutes of sitting through straight lecture. Um, and while there might be a part of it that's direct, that's uh, what we call teacher-directed or teacher-led um, uh, discussions. Um, the idea is that there'd be think multiple things going on that you're, you're moving or, or the pieces are moving Um, So you could be doing station work, you could be doing breaking up and doing a small group activity and coming back and doing a whole class discussion, um, that there'd be enough variation within that 55 minutes that students with um, attentional issues, and let's let's face it, most of us, um, we know from research that all of us kind of tune out after about 20 minutes, so we know that 55 minutes of sitting through any lecture is hard for anybody, um, not just students with attentional issues. So we're really looking at um, a workshop model of lesson planning where our teachers are having students do something different at, at smaller chunks of time throughout the 55 minutes. And then I also believe that um, the more engaged students are, the, you know, we know that students have attentional issues, can attend when it's something that they're very interested in. Right. Um, so if they're playing a video game or if they're watching a movie that they're interested in they don't have a problem paying attention, Um, for that amount of time. So it's really about, you know, hooking them in, having them be engaged and having them be something that having them doing something that they're engaged, um, or interested in. And then, you know, the, the, it's not quite answering the question, but what we are also thinking in terms of philosophically is, you know, our job is in large part to prepare students for college, you know, over 94% of our students go on to, um, either two or four year colleges. Um, so that's the majority of our students. Colleges don't have forty-one minute classes that meet nine times a day or you know nine periods a day. Um, in college, classes are usually an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the meeting pattern. Um, usually, if it's an hour, it's three days a week. If it's a, if it's a ninety-minute class, it's two days a week. If it's a three-hour class, which I took some of those in college, um, those are often in the evening for um, once a week, um, and so. You know, we have to help our students develop the skill to be able to attend to something for that amount of time. Um, if not, then I don't think we're doing our job in preparing them well for what comes after this. Same is true in the real world, right? So we're sitting in, you know, if I have meetings, my meetings are not in 41-minute increments. Right. <laughs> my meetings can last um, an hour, um, if we're lucky. Um, sometimes my meetings can go on for an hour and a half, and and I've got to be able to attend to that, right? So the idea of building in the skill and empowering our students and working with them. Um, but ultimately I think it's, if they're engaged, then I think it's going to be just fine.
2: Great. So how about students who have testing accommodations? How will the schedule work for them or how will it work against them? Maybe.
1: So I, I think it depends on the, where that question's coming from, right? So one of the things that where it could benefit our students is that, um, because classes are 54 minutes doesn't necessarily mean tests let's say unit tests or longer tests are going to take up the entire 50 I keep saying 54 sorry 55 minutes. Um, so what that would allow for is for some time for uh, sorry we have our custodians are coming in. Um, what it allow for is time built into the class for students who get extended time so that if the cl- if the let's say for example the test itself is only 40 minutes, then the remainder of that period could be spent for those students who need it to be able to work on their extended time. Um, I also think that with the, you know, the idea of the community lunch and the way in which classes rotate and if you have a class that drops on a particular day, it'll give additional time for students to be able to go to the testing center uh, to make up um, or to finish exams. Awesome. So how about uh, double periods? So, like, obviously
2: many of our science classes have, Mm-hmm. Uh, a lab attached to them, or a lot of our IB classes also have that. So are we still going to see those lab schedules implemented? Or? Yeah, so if you go
1: back to the, the schedule that we looked at earlier, you'll see that um, on day one, if, you, if you're taking AP Bio, which you are, <laughs> so on day one, your AP Bio is only a single period, right. but on day two, it would be um, double period. And so the way it would work is pretty similar to the way we have it right now, except for one of the days when one of those might drop. So I think it's um, worked out to be pretty much every other day you would have a double period for science as well as for IB classes that are SL classes. So how about on days when you don't have the main class but you have a lab, would you still have the lab? Or- yes, and then okay. the way we, the, we call it the lab right. because of the way we, you know, we have to put it into our schedule. But on that particular day, it would be at the teacher's discretion as to whether or not they want to do a lab. Or whether they would do, you know, treat that as being just a regular class, but it would still be—it's called AP Biology, right? Right, What you do in it doesn't necessarily have to be dictated by what's on your schedule. Okay. So,
2: um, is there any plan put into place right now on how the schedule will look, and if this new schedule is effective, is there any way that you're going to be evaluating that later on throughout the year, Mm -hmm. and will there be any change back
1: if the schedule is seen to not be as effective? so if we, you know we're not i'll take this in a couple of different directions right so one is uh we're not trying to do something that we think is going to be worse if it, if it winds up being worse then yes we would reevaluate if it needs to be tweaked we would reevaluate that um we can tell you and I, and i say this with with all honesty uh for those of you who who might be doubters out there um in every school that we visited and i you, you know you, You and Kyle both um, spoke to students um, who were kind of flabbergasted (laughs) that we had a nine-period day with 41-minute classes, right? Yeah. Um, The schools that we've spoken to where teachers have gone through that transition, um, the majority of them say they would never go back to teaching 40-minute classes again. Wow. Um, And, in fact, in several of the schools that we've talked to, uh, the way that they design their schedule is that they have what we have, which is the drop rotation Uh, I'll do this very quickly. So they have the drop rotation for, let's say four of the five days. And then their fifth day is what they call a skinny day. And they've, what they've done is they've taken that fifth day and they've maintained their original schedule. So where the drop rotation happens for the first four days of the cycle, the fifth day, all eight classes meet. Um, And in those cases, at least in three of the schools we've talked to, the teachers have asked, when are we going to get rid of the skinny day? Students have said, the skinny day is their least favorite day. Um, so I think once you live it and once you get used to it, um, what we've heard is it's been tremendously positive in the schools that we've spoken with. And, that, and we've spoken to a wide variety of schools um, who are very, you know, similar to us in certain ways, but also have some differences, um, similar demographics. And, uh, you know, th- th- they've all spoken very positively about it.
2: All right.
1: Thank you. So
2: will teachers eat at the same time as students? And how will that affect the help center or a teacher availability during the communal lunch? Mm-hmm. And where are we going to fit all the students?
1: Um, so two different questions. I'll start with yeah. the first one. <laughs> um, so it's designed to be a community lunch for, for that exact phrase, right? So we want to live that out to be a, a true statement, right? That it's a community lunch, which means the entire school um, takes a break at the same time. There will be some exception to that to meet the needs of students. Um, so, and I think some of that will be based on design. So, for example, our success center, um, that might be the one exception. Our writing center might be another exam, uh, exception to that. Um, when it comes to individual teachers, um, it's really going to be up to the individual teacher, as they currently do, that depending on what their schedule looks like on certain days of the cycle, they may choose to say, oh, I'm available during or, you know, either the full time or they might say the last 25 minutes. Um, of the community lunch. And so, and again, the schools that we've spoken to, um, that was, that was, happened a lot. And it really, the way that we, the way that they say it is that, um, if a teacher, for example, on day three has the block right before and the block after lunch free, then they'd say, yeah, sure. I can, I'm I'm happy to give up my lunch to work with students. And so there was a lot of that was, ha- was happening uh, as well as even some club advisors who said, you know, took a vote and said, would you rather meet during the school day or do you um, want to say after school? And so they would elect um, t- to meet during the, uh, during the um, community lunch. Um, in terms of sitting, um, what we're doing is looking, we're going to work with student council and with our new student Senate uh, to look at um, additional seating areas throughout the school. Um, and then, the you know the the notion of where one eats will have to be expanded just in general, right? So right. again, the schools that we looked at uh, during that community lunch, and I'm not sure if you saw this at Put Valley, but when we went to go see Nyack, for example, there were students that were in in set locations, so like the gymnasium would be open for open uh, gym play or to hang out in the bleachers, not necessarily to eat. Um, the library would be open. We would have the commons. We would have the cafeteria. We saw students who were gathered and sitting in hallways, sitting in the auditorium lobby, um, you know, in certain classrooms, um, either designated by the school or a teacher who hangs out in their classroom and says, "Yep, my classroom's open, feel free to come in. Um, So we were going to have to kind of rethink the notion of space um, to expand where students spend their time, whether they eat or not, where they spend their time during the community lunch. All right, thank you. So...
2: Um, how will the new schedule sort of take into account snow days
1: and other events like that? So we just actually had this conversation on Monday uh, at our faculty meeting. And so what we're going to do um, is work with our faculty through the spring to, to so you know, the, the, uh, I won't bore too many people, but basically there's two ways in which you can handle a snow day. One is you just skip the day that was scheduled. And the other way is to actually make the next day that you're in the day that you would have missed. Um, what we want to look at is what the impact would be in terms of classes miss, being missed, um, what it would mean in terms of other appointments that we have during the day that are not necessarily wed to a cycle day but to a calendar day. So parents, for example, who have a guidance meeting um, and that day is, is a snow day, that meeting, they're not, they're not necessarily available the next day, even though that would be the next day um, as a repeat. So we're going to work with our faculty to – Really think about the pros and cons of both systems, and then determine what is the best one for us. So right now, the answer to that is to be determined. But we are—it's on our um, to-do list to to have that ironed out before the beginning of the school year. Awesome. So we have
2: actually another BOCES question. Um, so if the BOCES schedule is actually like a set schedule, uh, and the high school schedule rotates, won't BOCES students miss some of their classes each day?
1: Or no? No, because the courses that they would. If they're in morning BOCES, they would have just like currently, right? So if you go to BOCES in the morning class, you can't have a class here periods one, two, three, or four. Right. Same thing would be true. You wouldn't have a course one, two, three, or four. Your courses would all be in the afternoon here. And so the way that only the afternoon classes rotate with afternoon classes means that a student can attend BOCES and they won't miss any class time. All right. So what do you have to say for students
2: who currently feel like? Um, they won't be able to take all the classes that they want
1: to with a mandatory lunch. How would you address that? So uh, I think there's two answers that I have for that. One is we really have a small minority of students who don't have a lunch currently in their schedule. So when you look at students who are taking the maximum that we're allowing students currently, that's eight classes, the ninth class being a lunch um so for those students the same opportunities will exist eight classes in the current schedule you can take up to eight classes in your new schedule uh, we really believe strongly as do many other schools throughout our area and throughout the country and lots of research shows also that uh, we don't do students favors by allowing them to not have lunch to go from seven thirty in the morning until two ten in the afternoon without a single break every single day we're setting kids up for burnout, and we're setting kids up for making unhealthy decisions. To think that that's okay, we know kids can handle it. We've seen that kids can handle it. We don't. We we're not convinced that the long term effect is a positive one. So we're very clear that um, we feel it's a it's a healthy and good decision that every single student should take a break. Whether they eat or not is their choice. Um, how they use that time is their choice, which I think is actually a positive as well. Um, but taking a break is something that every single student should um, be encouraged to do and should know that that's okay to do so.
2: Awesome. So I guess we're sort of reiterating here. um, What is the sort of faculty support? Are teachers on board with this new change that we see? Okay.
1: So again, repeat that. Uh, We did an exercise at our last, not this past Monday, but our uh, November faculty meeting where we actually had our, our asked our faculty to kind of gauge where they were. We set up, we set up a um, kind of like a, almost like a four corners activity. Um, and I would say the majority of our faculty were either in the, I've got some questions still, but I'm, but I'm excited to the, I'm ready to go. Uh, there was a very few um, number of, uh, there was a, a few teachers who were sort of in the, I'm not ready for this yet. I need to, I need to, I need a lot more kind of I've got questions that I've got to get answered, or I've got some learning that I have to do. Uh, but I think the, you know, again, change is hard. We, run, we understand that um, coming out of one's routine, coming out of your comfort zone, is hard for anybody. Um, but I think that our um, our faculty is going to embrace the change, um, and I think that they. You know, I know, I shouldn't say I think. I know that our faculty is incredibly talented and incredibly passionate and uh, dedicated, and so they're going to make this work for our students. Wow, amazing answer. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
2: so. I think a question that I very much relate to, and I know a lot of our juniors and upcoming softwares and freshmen are going to relate to is how will senior privileges work? So such I think as think you were going to ask that question. You know, just, just a little concerned here. <laughs> um, how will we be given like off campus privileges and sort of coming in late and stuff like that? How will we okay. fit so that it's in? Great
1: question. And, and, and one of the things we want to make sure through this entire process, and that's why we're doing this tonight, is that we are transparent. We don't want any surprises, Um, and we don't want, you know, we don't want to have someone not like the new schedule because of something that we either didn't prepare for or didn't tell them about. Um, so one of the things that we're very clear on is that we are not looking to take away the privileges that we currently afford our seniors. Um, I say that, um, and can say with confidence that the two current privileges, so what we call, um, late start and early dismissal, I always get those backwards, um, would still be in existence. It just means that they it won't be the same period every day. Right. So if you don't have a course slotted for course one, then on the days when course one doesn't meet first period – or meets first period, sorry, you wouldn't have to come in if you have those um, forms signed with parent permission. Same thing with the afternoon. But it's going to rotate, so it's not going to be every single day. Um, in terms of the, the off-campus, um, one of the things we are – moving towards is the taking away the notion that you have to have two free periods in a row, because we believe that with 55 minutes, that's enough time for students to safely go off campus. If they're going, let's say to Froggie's and getting a, I was going to make up a name, but I can't remember any the names of the sandwiches. <laughs> um, give me a name. Lawsuit. Lawsuit. Uh, if go. you're going to <laughs> go to Froggie's and go grab a lawsuit that 55 minutes is, is enough time to do that and to do it safely. Um, that really was something that came out of the, the notion of student safety what we're not sure about yet and what we want to work with the student council as well as the student senate is what does it mean for seniors to go off campus during the community lunch if we're calling it a community lunch and one of the notions is that it builds a sense of community and we we kind of all break bread together um do we want students you know 200 at a time being able to leave campus at the same time so not, not that it's a no, but what we want to do is work with student council and the student senate to figure out the best way to make that happen, to think about what's, what's best for students, what's best for the school. So that's going to be a partnership, not, a, not a necessarily an administrative decision. It's great. Thank you
2: so much. Um, I think one of our biggest sort of questions and issues that we see with our student body and even some of our uh, people at home tonight is why are we changing something that isn't broken? like great question you know we have these 40 minute like block or not blocks but periods and you know everyone really seems to be okay with it right now so why are we moving in this new direction now
1: yeah and the way that i answer this because it's not the first time i've gotten that question right so um in fact i think when i first came to uh the student council meeting we talked about that um the notion of broken is an interesting one right so yes i wouldn't say there's anything broken about our current schedule um i i believe that as a school are, are, we're obligated to always look at ways of doing things better um, to best serve our students, to prepare them for the world we're sending them off into um, whether that be sending them off into college or sending them off into workforce. Um, And, you know, there is just lots of research out there that shows that what we're doing right now is not the best for students in terms of overall retention of knowledge um, development of skills that, um, you know, a lot of times what happens is students in our current model will learn material, study for a test, and then it's almost what we call like the brain dump, right? right. Then you move on to your next unit and you've forgotten what you've learned the last time. And then when you're sitting for your final, you have to go back through all that. And we really believe that with rich learning experiences that where, where the information has time to sort of germinate and, and, and take root and you get to process it and you get to think about it, um, and you get to talk with other students and you get feedback from your teacher, that the more that you do that, the more that information um, and that knowledge base is going to stay with you. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I concur, but I also think that if we're not looking at ways to get better, um, then we are not a smart institution. I think any smart institution thinks about, um, yes, we're good and we do a really good job at what we currently do, how can we do an even better job and so the in the notion of continuous improvement we in the spirit of continuous improvement we are looking at uh, and you know I, it, it's worth saying as well um that we are quickly falling into the minority in terms of schools that have the type of schedule we currently have that in in the nation so across the entire united states more than 50% of the schools have adopted some version, high schools especially, have adopted some version of a block schedule. Either it's a straight block um, or a hybrid block, which is what we're looking at, or some combination of both. Um, and so, you know, we can hold on to it and we can keep doing what we're, we're doing and we're probably going to get good results. Um, we have excellent students here. Um, we have families who support education, so we know that that's, that's always going to be the case. But can we do a better job with the things that might be not as obvious, right? So that's what we're really looking at.
2: Right. Thank you. Um, So one of our main issues as well with this sort of new schedule is teachers won't always see us every day. Mm-hmm. So how will teachers adapt to that? Will they be giving us more assignments or homework to sort of make up for the lack of days that we're with them? Or how is that going to play out?
1: Right. And that's a that's something I've heard also, and I think that's a – um, a natural sort of, you know, source of anxiety. Um, what I failed to mention earlier is that one of the other reasons for doing this schedule and from what we've heard from many of our other school districts that we looked at is the idea that the, the schedule with fewer periods per day just makes the day much more manageable for students and for staff. It slows down the pace of the day. Um, it becomes less frenetic. Uh, you're not, as I said earlier in the in the session, you're not picking up and moving every 40 minutes and starting. You know, you're not going from chemistry one minute and, and balancing equations to all of a sudden learning about. Um, so chemistry is you're going to be probably global too. So you're learning about, you know, uh, Greece or some other ancient civilization, and then going to math, and then going, and, and so you go this entire day with very little break, left, very little downtime, um, and your ability to absorb, I think, is affected by that, right? So Um, yeah, I, I, I do believe that the, um, the, the notion of, so first of all, the notion of giving more homework, that homework is the thing that you need in order to keep fresh on the material. Right. I I think you should be given smart homework, right? So the homework you should be doing should be homework that helps you to gain independent practice, to, Um, do some more analysis on something, to have the time to be able to think outside of the classroom environment. Um, So it's not that I've got a gap, let's fill it with more stuff. It's about thinking, you know, smart about what you're actually doing in that time. So I don't anticipate um, that teachers are going to just, you know, if you have off, let's say, on day three and tomorrow's day three, they're going to give you double the amount of homework. Um, That would just kind of defeat the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. Exactly. Thank you. Um, well, on the topic of sort of classes and
2: the schedule, how will we accommodate students who miss a class day or who accidentally miss a day um, and the next day they end up dropping the class? What are
1: we doing with that? <laughs> accidentally missing class. I like Accident, the way you phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, as I said earlier, there's, there's pros and cons to everything, right? So right now in our current schedule, if you miss a day of school, you're missing eight if you're a student with a full schedule, you're missing eight classes of work, eight classes of homework, and you're coming in the next day to seeing all eight of those classes again. Right. By only having six classes, even if you miss the next day, what that gives you is the space and the time to get caught up, right? So, that you're, so first of all, it's less amount of work. And then for that class that's dropping, it's more time to do the makeup that you need to do. So I actually think it's, to me, that's a better trade-off um, than we currently have. Obviously, once you go past one day of an absence, any schedule is going to be difficult, right? So if you miss two days, and we know what that's like. Our students here, they, you know, they, they go into panic attacks when they miss two or more days. Um, it's hard to make that work up. But I also believe the community lunch gives you an opportunity to do that, to give the space to do it. And the notion that things drop makes it so you're not having to do as much work on a nightly basis. Great. So I think our final question for
2: tonight is going to be something very personal for our students here. Okay. Um why should we care? So I think that's the main question on the student body. About our mind. school. I'm well kidding. not just about the school, but sort of about the schedule. Why mm-hmm. should we try and put in to this schedule when we already see something that we're accustomed to? You know, why should we accept and embrace this change, really?
1: Yeah, and I I think that's a, you know, I think it speaks to everything that we've been talking about, right? The notion of change is so hard for for people to grasp when you don't. It's hard to put your hands around or to grasp the concept of something that you don't know and you're not familiar with when what you have in front of you works for you. Um, And, you know, when we did our focus groups last year with students, what we heard over and over again was we like the routine. And it was actually kind of funny. I'll, I'll do this as a quick anecdote. Um, we had students who would say at the beginning of the conversation, I like the fact that it's, a, that it's routine. I like the fact that I know what I have to do every day. Well, what don't you like about it? I don't like the fact that it's the same thing every single day. So that to me says that it's, it's more of being comfortable with what you know than not wanting what you don't know, right? And, you know, I, I just have to say that in, in speaking with students in schools where they've done this, they speak favorably about it. They like the fact, you know, we didn't talk about the community lunch all that much, but one of the things that they like about the community lunch is they get to eat lunch with their friends, regardless of what their schedule is. I can't tell you how many times in a school year, usually in the summer, where our counselors get requests to change kids' schedules because none of their friends are in the same period lunch as them. So that's a huge, huge factor, right? We want to be able to eat with our friends. Um, The... The notion that if I'm you know, – let's say, for example, I'm, I'm a student who's in a lot of AP classes or t- taking several IB classes, um, that not all of those classes meet on a given day means my workload is different. It varies. It's not the same thing every single day and the same amount of work every day that I'm going home and preparing for. I only have to prepare for six classes, not eight classes. Um, and the fact that one of those classes drops means I have additional time to be able to do that work. So it gives students – choice and gives them sort of agency over um, how they use their time. And I believe that's what we should be teaching students who are about to go off into, you know, college and, and a life of independence. That uh, you, you have to know how to be able to do those things. You have to know how to manage your time. You have to know how to take your workload and figure out how to how do I do it in chunks that, are, that make it doable instead of getting overwhelmed by it. Right. And so I think that you know, I, I do believe firmly that there's a lot more positives that once we live it, you'll experience it. Um, and I ask people to just trust that, that, that it's going to work and that, that, yes, we're comfortable with what we have right now. But that doesn't mean that going to a new schedule is going to necessarily be a disaster. I think it's going to be a good thing for everybody. All right. Thank you so much,
2: Mr. Bayer. So that is unfortunately all the time we have for tonight. Can I do one
1: plug? Yeah, so I'm of course. sure that this is, So first of all, uh, we're going to be putting, as I said earlier, um, all this documentation plus a uh, frequently asked questions document on our website. Uh, we'll have a separate section just for the new schedule. Um, that document will be a living document. So as questions come in, questions that you might've asked tonight that are not on there, we'll add to that. Um, the other thing is no, nothing better than a face-to-face conversation. So on January 31st, I had the date, remember? Now I can't remember it. I think it's actually January 30th. Um, it's a Thursday night. Uh, we're going to be doing a informational night for both students and for parents in the high school auditorium at 7 p.m. So please pay, you know, stay tuned for that and uh, bring any questions you have at that point. We want to make sure. So sorry, it's January 31st, um, 7 p.m. in the high school auditorium. We want to make sure that our students and our parents have as much information going into this Uh, so that there is no shock. So thank you for tuning in. If you've paid attention to us tonight, um, if you're watching this, thanks for watching it in in not live time, not real time. And we wish everyone the happiest of holidays. And thank you to Max and Kyle for being here with me tonight. Thank you.